welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This is the place where you're going to learn how much God loves you and how wonderful he has been to you. Open your Bibles to Psalm 103. A Peanuts cartoon pictures Charlie Brown bringing out Snoopy's dinner on Thanksgiving Day. It was just his usual dog food in a bowl. Snoopy took one look at the dog food and he said, this isn't fair. The rest of the world is eating turkey with all the trimmings and all I get is dog food. Because I'm a dog, all I get is dog food. He stood there and stared at his dog food for a moment and said, I guess it could be worse. I could be a turkey. (laughs) You cannot worship without a thankful heart. Psalm 104 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 105.1 says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the people. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Ephesians 5.20 giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting. We give thanks in all things. Ephesians takes us a step further and says, give thanks for all things. I want you to think about all that God's done for you today. In Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2 is the exact middle of the Bible. 15,550 verses before, and after verse 2, there are 15,550 verses after that. Verses 1 and 2, it takes both verses because there's an even number. It's the exact middle of the Bible, and I don't think it's by accident. I believe that in the very middle of the Word of God, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, keep your Bible open because I want to refer to a couple of other verses Do you ever give yourself a good talking to? One man told me that he talks to himself because that's the only time he has an intelligent conversation. (laughs) Sometimes we need to give ourselves a good talking to. That's exactly what Psalm 103 is. David is talking to himself. He's actually praying, but he's talking to the self, and six times he uses the word bless. Bless the Lord. 
verses 1 and 2, and then verses 21, excuse me, 20, 21, and 22. Bless the Lord to eulogize. The word is barak. In the Hebrew, it means to express appreciation, gratitude, respect, goodwill. Sometimes it's translated eulogize. We eulogize God. doesn't mean God died. Usually you hear a eulogy at a funeral. But eulogy means when you stand up and tell all the good things you remember about the person, sometimes you have to make them up, but you still tell all the good things about that person. David says, I want to bless the Lord with my soul, the mind, emotions, and will, with all my being. So I want to give you some Thanksgiving reminders. First of all, a reminder of God's being. Verse 1, bless his holy name. The name of God refers to the totality of all of God's attributes. God's actions stem from his attributes. His name refers to all that God is. And the word holy means unique. There's no name like this. There's no one like this. God is a God like no other. In fact, we're told in Isaiah 44, there is no other God. He is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and all others are changing. He's unchanging. He's stable. He's dependable. The Lord is good like no other. He's loving like no other. He's gracious like no other. He's merciful like no other. He is full of justice like no other. He has all authority and sovereignty. Indeed, there is no God like him. There is no other God. Make sure you're thankful to the right somebody. Now, folks, I want to just tell you, today's an easy day. If you ever want to say amen, it's today. No convictions today. Just all the greatness and goodness of God. It is a reminder of God's blessings and benefits. Some people say, I'm so blessed. Do you really mean that? Let's talk about God's benefits. I'm reminded of a college graduate who was brand new, fresh out of college. He was going to have his first interview with a company. He was meeting with the head of human resources for this particular company. And this interviewer asked this fresh college graduate, he said, now what kind of salary are you expecting on this job? He said, well, I expect around $200,000 a year plus benefits whatever the benefits package would be. You know, I'm, I'm going to look at several companies, so it's going to be in that range then, and I'm going to evaluate the benefits package. The interviewer looked at him and said, how much did you say? He said, about 200000 a year depending on the benefits package. The interviewer said, well, what would you say to a benefits package that had five weeks of paid vacation, 14 paid holidays, medical, dental, optometry all covered 100%, and a matching IRA up to 50% of your salary. And hey, how about a company car every two years? We'll say a, a red Corvette for beginning. And this guy said, are you kidding me? And he said, absolutely, I'm kidding you. You started it. 
<laughs> One man said, the stress my box puts me under is killing me. I have migraines. My pressure is going through the roof. I can't sleep at night. I just found out I have an ulcer. And as long as I stay in this job, the only question is whether I'll have a stroke or a heart attack. And his friend said, well, why don't you quit? He said, because I have such a great health plan. Forget not all his benefits. Let's look at the benefit package that God has given us. First of all, as a sinner, he forgives us. David starts with man's greatest need. We were separated from God because of sin. And our greatest problem is the guilt we have because of sin. And he begins as a sinner, he forgives us. Two parts of this verse, he, he talks about the remission of sins in verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities. The Bible talks about three different words for sin. Sometimes it's translated sin, sometimes it uses the word transgressions, and sometimes it uses this word iniquities. Now, in Exodus 34, if you remember when Moses was up on Mount Sinai and he asked to see God, and God says, you can't see me. You can't live and see me. But I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will pass by, and you can see the backside or the edges of my glory. And as God passed by, the Scripture says, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. All three words right there. It delineates the three. Here he's using the word iniquities, which means bent or crookedness, or moral twistedness. It refers to our fallen, sinful, twisted nature. We were born with it. You were born into sin. It doesn't say God forgives our mistakes. It says he forgives our sin. We are all under the curse of sin. But don't you love the word all your iniquities. He didn't say some. All. You know, I guess if we're completely honest, all of us have blown it someplace in our life through the years. And we've done the same dumb things repeatedly, even after promising not to do them again. I'm so glad the word all is included all God intends to forgive not only everything I've ever done, but he already knows the future. He already knows the sins that I'm going to commit, and yet Jesus paid it all. There's a grave not far from New York in a cemetery has an interesting headstone. It doesn't have the name of the person, the year they were born or the year that they died. There's no elaborate eulogy or epitaph. There's just one word written on it, forgiven. And that's all that really matters when we die. Now, I want you to notice something else. Go to verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
you really can't comprehend God's love fully. You know, we are told up until recently in the Hubble telescope, and maybe this new one is even making them change it again, but up until the Hubble telescope, well, now that the Hubble telescope's looked out there, astronomers claim that the farthest known star is 12 and a half billion light years from here. Now, by contrast to that, the nearest star that we have, not counting the sun, the nearest star we have is four light years from here, which means that light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's almost as fast as I drive. (laughs) But if you took a normal spaceship that we have, and you could travel, well, we can't travel at speed of light. The fastest we could travel, I've forgotten how many thousands of miles an hour, but if you just took what we have today to get to the nearest star in one of our spacecraft, it would take you 81,000 years to get to. That's four light years away. Farther star, the Hubble telescope, they claim is 12 and a half billion light years away. That's a mind-boggling thing, isn't it? And yet the Scripture says that God's love is greater than that. We live in a tiny corner of the universe, but God's love is greater, larger, deeper, longer, broader, bigger in all dimensions than the universe itself. So much He loves you. Verse 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? You notice he didn't say north to south. Because if you go north, eventually you're going to get to the top of the globe and then you're going to go south. Then when you get to the bottom, eventually you're going to come back and go north. So, you, so north and south is measurable. But if you take off east and you keep going east, and you go around the world, you're still going east. So you turn around and go west, and you go around the world, you're still going west. You can't measure between the east and the west. And the scripture says that God has taken our sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. You know, we understand forgiveness only by a poor analogy because we compare it to the way that we forgive. When God forgives, he's able to permanently change our status. We forgive for the moment. God's forgiveness does not fluctuate. It doesn't go from bitterness to compassion back to bitterness or forgiveness. It it doesn't change. So when God has forgiven you, It's permanent. It's permanent. He didn't take it back. My sins can never come back to haunt me. One pastor said in verse 8, God has a long fuse. He's slow to anger. He said in verse 9, he's got a short memory. He does not harbor his anger forever. In verse 10, he's got a thick skin. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. And in verse 11 and 12, he's got a great heart. So great is his love, so far has he removed our sins. 
You've been forgiven of all your sin. You didn't do one ounce of anything to make that happen. Jesus paid it all. Not only do we have the remission of sins, we have the restoration of health. In verse 3, it says, who heals all your diseases. Now, you're talking about verses that have been misinterpreted today. I want you to remember something. Now, listen to me carefully, or you're going to misinterpret this. Disease in our world is a product of sin in the world. Not individual sin, but because of mankind, because of Adam's sin, it brought curse to the world. And death entered the world. It was never God's intention for you and me to die. But because of sin, it entered the world. The fall meant death and dying are part of life. But the second Adam, Jesus, reversed that. And yes, Christ heals all our diseases when? In the resurrection. Now, in our bodily resurrection, we're never going to suffer again. When Adam and Eve sinned, their spirit died immediately. They were separated from God. They progressively died in their mind, emotions, and will, in their soul. They ultimately died in their body. You with me? When you commit your life to Christ, God's Spirit comes into you and gives you life immediately. And your mind, emotions, and will are progressively changed. He changes you from the inside out. You begin to think differently. You begin to, to live differently. But this old body, it's still cursed. It's going to die. It's going to die. So the ultimate finish of the reversal of Jesus is when you are given a resurrected, glorified body where there is no more pain. Our bodies are often afflicted with sickness and disease. Have you ever prayed for people to be made well? I have. Have they all been made well? (laughs) Come on, folks, help me out here. No. Not on this earth. You see, sickness involves our soul also. Hate, greed, jealousy, discouragement, depression, fear, fear, anger, guilt, doubt, all of that, that's part of that. And and just as surely as diseases of the body can take away physical life, the diseases of the soul can make us turn our eyes away from God. But, But see, Jesus died and took away the curse of sin so that when we are resurrected, we're going to have a body that is free from any pain, sickness, or death. That's the, that's the ultimate. Now, that's why David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Do you, do you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is? Y'all remember her? She's still around, but she had a show for a long time called Johnny and Friends. But Johnny, when she was 17, had a diving accident and broke her neck. 
She became a quadriplegic. Nothing worked from the neck down. She prayed for healing. God, please heal me. But healing didn't come the way she wanted it. And she said, well, if I can't be healed, then I want to die. So she tried to kill herself, but she couldn't because she's quadriplegic. She would try to get enough steam, speed in her wheelchair and run it as fast as she could into the wall, hoping that she'd break her neck up higher so that she would suffocate and die. She asked her friends, please slash my wrist. I won't feel it, but it'll let me die. I don't want to live this way. God began to work in her heart, and she finally prayed, God, if I can't die, then show me how to live. And he showed her how to live. She was on Larry King Live a number of years ago, and this was about the time that Christopher Reeves, who played Superman, who got thrown off a horse and his neck was broken and became a quadriplegic who also said that one of these days I'm going to get out of this wheelchair and walk. Larry King asked Johnny, do you think you're going to walk again? She said, Larry, I've been in this wheelchair almost 50 years. She said, I have no hope or vision that I'm going to get out of this chair in this life. But she said, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to take that wheelchair and I'm going to throw it into hell. And I'm going to leap and run and dance and shout because the Lord is my healer. He heals all diseases. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no longer any death. There shall be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And when we get sick, we ask God for healing. And that's normal and natural. Paul even prayed for God to take away a thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that is, but we believe it was some kind of physical ailment. I believe it was bad eyesight because of the way he wrote some of the other letters, but, but he asked God three times, please take this away. Please take this away. God, please take this away. And God said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in you, in your weakness. And when God does not bring healing to your life on this earth, you just rest assured that his grace is sufficient to help take you through whatever it is you're going through. Now listen, if you were sick and you're now healthy, give thanks to the Lord. If your cancer is in remission, give thanks to the Lord. If you were in an accident and somehow you survived, give thanks to the Lord. But you need to remember that any healing in this life is temporary. Listen, somebody asked me, do you believe in divine healing? Folks, that's all there is, is divine healing. Sometimes God says, I'm going to fix you right now. Sometimes God says, you've suffered enough. I'm going to take you home. There are preachers that will tell you that you are to be healed on this earth, and if you're not, you don't have enough faith or you have sin in your life. That is not consistent with the Scripture. Paul never healed Timothy, and Timothy was a man of many infirmities, it says. Here's my question. All these divine healers that claim they can heal, this is really ugly, but they still died. 
when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he died again, eventually. Do you understand what I'm saying? When he says he heals all our diseases, it's the final victory over the curse of sin when we're given a new glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15 says it's going to, you're going to be changed in an instant. The dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Thessalonians tells us it will be totally, completely, finally healed once and for all. I pray for people to get well. And I always will. But just because God doesn't heal on this earth doesn't mean he's not healing. Y'all with me? The second benefit is a slave. He redeems us. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction. We're all under the curse of sin. Romans 3.23, Galatians 3.22, we're under the curse of sin. And a horrible conclusion as well, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, the second death. You'll be separated from God in eternity in hell. I don't like to talk about it. You're never going to cease to exist. You're alive forever. Not in this body, thank God. But you're alive forever. And you are under the curse of sin, and only Jesus can take you out of that curse. He came into this world, so what did God do? He saw how hopeless we were and that we were bound for hell. He said, I'm going to save them. The only way I can save them is for me to become one of them, and we're getting ready to celebrate when God became a man. And he lived among us and lived a sinless life, the God-man. And he went to the cross and he died for our sins. And so God says, I reached down and pulled us out of the pit. It's free for you and me, but it cost Jesus everything. And when Jesus died on that cross and God put our sin on him, and Jesus said, it is finished. It's been paid. The debt's been paid. You can't add to paying the debt. The debt's been paid. It's a pronouncement sometimes we forget that Jesus paid it all. It's finished. I was a slave to sin. He set me free. You should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm not bound to legalism, I'm not bound to sin. Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus has saved me. God has forgiven me and saved me. He has immersed me in the righteousness of Jesus. I am free to walk in his ways. Am I perfect yet? No, because I still live in a cursed body. But I'm getting better. And one of these days, I'm going to be perfect, just like you. The third thing is a son. He crowns me. Verse 4 who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. You know, in our day and age, only kings and queens wear crowns. But, but now you've been adopted by God. You've been forgiven. You've been saved. You've been adopted into his family. You are a child of God. He's crowned you. You notice it doesn't say tender justice. There's nothing tender about justice. And you and I don't need justice when you stand before God, do you want justice? I don't. <laughs> I, I want mercy. 
Mercy in my failure and mercy in my defeat. Tender mercy shows that he knows what we're going through and he meets us where we are. And instead of justice, God gives us tender mercy and the crown reminds us of our position. We're a child of God. He's crowned us with loving kindness and mercy. Last of all, as a saint, he's providing for me. In 1988, in Poland, a railway worker was hit by a train and survived, just barely. And for the next 19 years, until 2007, Jan Grzebski was in a coma. 19 years in a coma. And when he awoke in 2007, there was a whole new world. You see, 19 years earlier, Poland was a communist state. And Grzeski noted that back then, meat was rationed. There were huge lines at nearly every gas station. There was only tea and vinegar in the shops. But when he woke up 19 years later, Poland was a free nation. He said people were on the streets with cell phones. And there were so many goods in the stores that he said, I've never seen anything like it. It made my head spin. But he said, but something puzzled him. What amazes me is that all these people who walk around with their mobile phones and yet they never stop moaning. He said, these people had freedom and food and wealth greater than Poland had had for decades. And yet Grzebski woke up from his coma to find that all they seemed to want to do was grumble. That's where we are as a culture. Wayland Pendergrass, 37 years old, Tampa, Florida, got really drunk one night. A late night drinking party, and on the way home, he committed a spur-of-the-moment robbery. You see, he forced his way into a house through an open upstairs window and filled the suitcase with cash and valuables. And then he set the living room on fire to cover his tracks and went out through the back door down the alley and made his way home laughing. But as he turned the corner on his own street, there were three fire engines outside his house didn't realize that he had, in fact, burglarized his own home and ignited it. His comment was, I had no idea I had so many valuable possessions. Do you realize what you have? Think about it. And not just material possessions but the many, many ways that God has blessed us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James tells us. We are so hard on those nine lepers out of the ten that Jesus healed from leprosy. Nine of them ran off to go show themselves to the priest. One of them came back said, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. 
When's the last time you just stopped and thank God for what you have? Think about it. All that he's given you. That's why some people don't ever give. They, they haven't learned that everything they own belongs to God. It's on loan to you and me and what we honor him with. You don't really give anything to God. You're just saying, God, thank you. I honor you. I, I want to invest in your kingdom. I honor you. It's all a heart issue. The, the last thing, I may have already said that once, but this is, really is the last one. As a servant, he strengthens me. Look at verse 5. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It speaks of our youth being like the eagle. Why would it be compared to an eagle? Eagle is a bird that enjoys an unusually long life. On the average, this bird lives from 20 to 30, sometimes 50 years. Now, there is one incident that uh, G.S. Cansdale in his book, All the Animals of the Bible, said that there was a captive eagle in Vienna that lived to be 104. But what does this mean that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Those of us who know Jesus, we are, well, all of us are eternal, but those of us who know Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the end of the chapter says, the inner man is being renewed day by day. Have you noticed up here? Now, those of you who have hair color, color of mine, uh, have you noticed that up here, do you still feel 25 or 30 years old? And your mind tries to make demands on your body, and your body goes, you're out of your mind. Why do you still feel young up here? It's because you're eternal. And the body is dying. But what this verse means is that even as we grow older, we don't become grumpy old men and women. Satan doesn't have any happy old people. And yeah, our bodies ache and they hurt and we get sick. And, and, the, and you know what? Unless the rapture occurs, the only way out of here is going to be death. All of us want to die in our sleep instantly. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Most of us aren't going to get that privilege. But even as you get older and things quit working and you get to feeling worse, there's down inside of you that renewed hope that says the best is yet to come. It's going to be better. I'm going home. And God will wipe away tears. There won't be any more death. But the only way the best is yet to come is when you know Jesus Christ. I didn't say join a church or be baptized. I said when you know Jesus Christ. You see, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the world is the best it's ever going to be for you. It's sad to think about, isn't it? 
Some people live, this is as good as it will ever be for them. They, the worst is yet to come. But no matter what circumstance you're in, if you have Jesus as your Savior in your life and you have the peace of God and you have life in you, the best is yet to come. I call this pretty good benefit package, don't you? Forget not all his benefits. If you don't know Jesus, you can know him today. You don't have to join our church. But you've got to turn from your sin and repentance. You've got to admit that you're separated from God and sin. And that urgency that you feel is God's spirit calling you to him. And he will forgive you. And you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for those today without Jesus. Maybe they're watching online. Maybe they see this on television. But I pray that most of all, you'll let them know whether they're your children or not. And if they've never received Jesus, God, then right now, would you just show them how much you love them? It's unfathomable, your love for us. And how you will forgive all sin. If they place their trust, their faith in you alone. Your grace and mercy are extended, and salvation comes as you wash us clean. I pray for believers. Lord, we all need to come telling you that we're sorry for all the complaining we do. And yet you've been so good to us in so many ways. I pray for those that may need a church home. If this is it, God, then you bring them here. If not, then send them where you want them to be, even if they're from out of town. I pray you'll show them what you want for them. Lord, we come now thanking you for your benefits to us. And I pray that people would respond to you even now. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message.